0: Welcome to The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. On The Purposeful Project podcast, we share real-life stories from some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. We like to think our podcast will provide mentorship to those that need it and give you access to the knowledge you need to start and scale a business. To hear these incredible stories, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply visit PurposefulProject.com. Ali, welcome Thank you for having me It's an absolute pleasure. I wonder if you could start off by telling my audience a little bit about yourself
1: um, i don't know if there is much to tell, but uh, uh, I came to u k as a refugee. I was sixteen years old i am I guess I'm one of these people that uh, many people are trying to keep out of out of our countries nowadays uh, so I walked into into britain i was 16 i was predominantly on my own um, i had to put my i had to learn english i was one of the people that uh, you see on the street you say what time it is i say uh, good i am okay how are you um and uh, uh, and then i uh, learned the language um i was a bit older i was as i said 16 i I figured out that if I did my GCSEs, at the time it was called O-levels and my A-levels at at school, it will take four years. uh, And by the time I get to university, I'll be 2021, which at that time seems ancient. So I decided to self-teach myself. So I locked myself in a house for almost 18 months to finish my uh, uh, O-levels and then my A-levels. So this lockdown as painful as it is, uh, it seems like deja vu. And uh, I, I got into, I got into uh, UCL, well, I got incredibly lucky, got into UCL, uh, where I did uh, civil engineering, and uh, uh, and then I did a PhD in physics, uh, dynamic uh, hydraulics. Um, and, uh, and I didn't have any money. I mean, I always had to work uh, to pay for it. So I built a company on the side I got lucky, did very well. It became, won the award for the best young business in UK. And like any business that win awards, sometimes it's time to sell it. So when my PhD came to an end, I sold that business. And I saw the investment banker, Simon, who sold it for me per hour of time, made a lot more money than I did. So I thought maybe I should become an investment banker, which I did for a number of years. It really wasn't for me and we can discuss why. Uh, it's not as if I have anything against bankers. <clears throat> it's an important profession. They just wasn't for me. Um, and uh, uh, when my first child was born, I was in my 30s. Uh, I quit to start my own business again. Um, and uh, things are history from there.
0: It's an amazing story. And um, I mean, we're going to I can def- get into the businesses you're in today, but I, I do like looking at the history of how someone got where they are today, because I think it gives my audience when they hear that you built the businesses you built and the value that these businesses have today. A lot of people find that unreachable. But your story, what I love about it is this kind of, you know, starting from scratch, this 16 year old head down sort of idea focused. I mean, how did you come up with your idea for your first business, for example? How did that how did that happen? V&G so was I, your first business right? Am I right? Yeah,
1: so my first business was um, uh, about uh, we had an idea of taking a group of students for a huge party to a Greek island. Uh, I was on the uh, national uh, executive of the National Union of Students. So I used to have a lot of contacts in the students uh, movement and and, and I told, wouldn't it be fantastic if we just took a whole bunch of people uh, so we did. We rented a Greek island, we uh, hired uh, uh, DJs on one hand, but also like uh, uh, literature and yoga and sports and all sorts of things. And we thought it would be great to have a cultural week uh, in an island. And then as soon as we printed, we, we borrowed and r- 7,000 pounds of money, which most of it went into advertising at the time was just posters in the student unions and so on. And as soon as we did that, George Bush, the first, started the Gulf War, first Gulf War, uh, when Iraq imbe- invaded Kuwait. Uh, and, uh, and obviously, no parent was going to let any of their kids travel at the time. So we almost went bust. Um, and uh, we, we spent a week crying over the spilled milk, but then decided, look, we, we have put everything in this, we cannot lose it. So there was one newspaper, the Guardian newspaper paper, that was covering it. So I went to I asked if I can meet them, and they put me in touch with their marketing team. And I remember I had no means of transport but a motorbike. So I got there with a motorbike on a leather jacket. And at the time people were a lot more formal, wearing suits and ties. And I remember them telling me, you either have a great idea for us or you're completely mad. And I told them that, look, what if, this war will be over by the summer, but what if we just brought in Guardian readers together and have a a festival of Guardian readers? They liked the idea, the first event was the best and the largest event they've ever done. So we used the same accommodation, the same flights, so we didn't lose all our money there. And then they did another six, then they did another 20, then other newspapers did it. It was a great way of bringing a media to life with its readership uh, at the time. So that was our first business. Uh, It did well. It wasn't anything huge, but it paid for my PhD and my girlfriend's uh, at the time uh, degree. And that was enough. That's all we wanted.
0: Incredible. And, you know, there's, there's two things I don't want the audience to miss that you've, you've mentioned there that I think are crucial in the entrepreneurial journey. The first is you said no choice but to make it work, we're all in. I think this is a, a key to it. You, you know, that, that story, I bet that's been your career ever since. You know, you've got to be completely committed and I think a lot of the time people try to spread their bets with seven different things and, you know, they, and that way if one comes off, that's okay. But what you're talking about there is you put everything into it. It had to work. So when the moment came that, you know, if you could have given up, perhaps you would have done, but you couldn't. That's the first thing. The second thing I think is kind of gold in what you just said and something that people don't think about quite often is is corporate sponsorship and support. Sometimes people see the corporations as the enemy. They see them as the um, people to fight. They're building businesses to beat them. But actually collaboration can be quite powerful. So you teamed up with The Guardian. I mean, that that is you know i think a gem that people miss in the you know the highlights of what is it is, is to build an entrepreneurial business it's to beat the big boys you know, elon musk is taking on the car companies but there's plenty of times he tried to collaborate with apple you could argue glad he didn't but still that collaboration is a very powerful tool if you, if you can be humble and accept these big brand demands you can save your business and build it into something that teaches you stuff right
1: absolutely right on both of those I I had Simon, a friend who once told me a story, he's an amateur uh, cyclist, and he took part in a endurance extreme cycling up the Alps in the middle of the winter. And he said that there was something like 10,000 participants, many pros, and he came in the top 100, I think, and I asked him, wow, that's incredible. And he said, well, it isn't really when you consider that only about 100 people finished because (laughs) there was a huge snowstorm that hit. And one after the other, everybody gave up uh, on the route. And he just kept going and he just kept going. And he said, I just don't want to give up. And I think people forget how much just perseverance matters. You talk about Elon Musk how many times this guy just almost went bankrupt right spacex everybody laughed that they uh, do you uh, he was the largest shorted stock in the history of the stock market and for those who don't uh, know the terminology that means that most investors bet that his stock price of tesla were going to come down rather than go up so they were uh, uh, they, they will short it, which means they sell it today at uh, hoping that they can buy it at a lower price later. And 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 he proved them wrong by sheer perseverance because at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is about nothing else but having a belief that you found a need that is not being served very well and you could serve it better than other people can. And in that comes your second point, Simon, I think, which is collaboration. If something matters, if a need is big enough, no one person can do it on on their own. So it's actually all about collaboration. It's about how do you persuade other people to come and work with you, to join your company, to be your employees? How do you uh, persuade other Uh, organizations, small or big, to become your collaborators? How do you persuade others to invest in you? So those who think this is a lonely struggle of the heroic warrior, it's completely wrong. This is a humble, put your head down, keep going, uh, please as many people as possible, bring them into your tent, so together you can do something incredible, to bring your dream to life.
0: I, I just find myself nodding permanently as you're talking. And, and one of the things I also think I want the audience to pick up on that you said earlier was um, when, when you made the money, you invested it in, you know, a PhD for yourself and, and supporting your girlfriend at the time. And I think, you know, that's another thing, you know, people that will make a bit of money, they'll say, oh, I bought myself a nice car and and they haven't invested in they've invested in something that will own them not something that will help them get where they want to go ironically um, the, car, the car the car will get you where you want to go but you know but i think the interesting thing is understanding as a person where you want to go and, and that education you invested in yourself that's where again i think a lot of people make a mistake they, they, they make money and many people make money and but they don't hold on to it and that's because they're not investing in themselves discovering what they like to do for example or what you know improving on their skills and you did that your very first venture i, th- I guess you know after that very first venture, I, I was just looking at your CV, which um, you know um, is, 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 is fascinating. But you know, you have this company, uh, V and G, and as you say, highs and lows. But you you made it work, and then you you go into you go into banking. Is that right? So is that the next step? You as you said earlier, you went you went into you saw that the bankers were making more money in your mind than than say being an entrepreneur was. So you went into banking, and how did you discover that wasn't right for you? And and, and it's interesting and honest of you to say that you thought they were making more money. So there was a money driver there. But what happened? So, uh,
1: before I get to that, I just have to correct something that you mentioned, I said, which is, uh, I wasn't working in Victoria and Gila and G to support my girlfriend. My girlfriend and I, at the time, were working together. We both built it uh, together and uh, uh, made it work. And it's important to, to correct that because my girlfriend at the time is now my wife. That's and if she ever hears this broadcast, uh, then, then I'll be... <laughs> Uh, she'll be my ex-wife, so so yeah. I just have to cl- clarify that. But the um, uh, look, uh, I became a banker because, as, as I said, I was a refugee. I was always the outsider. And I saw these smart-looking people in suits coming in, and they just looked better than me, talked better than me, and they uh, uh, made a lot more money per hour of the work they did than I would do as an entrepreneur at the time, and I thought that look, I why don't I join the establishment, right? So, um, like any outsider, you have a dream to belong, right? Uh, to uh, so I did, and I found that it's not for me. Uh, uh, and I changed banks a lot because I thought that, oh, the problem is this bank or the other bank or the other team. But in reality, the job wasn't for me. And it wasn't for me not because there is anything wrong with being an investment banker. I am not a subscriber to uh, the theories that uh, bedevil people and and create this hate uh, 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 and envy. Uh, culture that sometimes prevails in some people. I think everybody does what they do for a reason um, and good on them. Uh, That's what makes our society so interesting to live in because different people make different choices. And in my view, vast majority of people, whatever choice they made, they've done it usually for good reasons uh, to start with. The the reason it wasn't for me, uh, Simon, it was because banking was about doing a little project at the time and moving on to the next project. So you had an assignment, you did the next one, you did the next one. My father was a civil engineer, my mother was a, a, a map drawer. So I was brought up in a family of people who built things. And I discovered in myself, I don't like doing one thing and then moving on to another and moving on another. I just love to build something over a long period of time because I'm a big believer that anything that is worth doing takes a long time. Whatever you do in the first three months, you'll do so much better after three years. And if you invest 30 years in it, it'll be amazing. And if you just mention Elon Musk, people say, wow, today he's the richest man in the world, but they forget that he started these companies each over a decade ago, five years ago almost, they didn't matter. And uh, today, they're worth so much more than they did last year. They almost each increased by two to three times. And that's because there is this uh, um, compounding factor that as you do something, it becomes easier and easier and it has bigger and bigger scale. So to me, it just seems like such a waste to do something for a few months and then go to the next one and the next one. It's like if you're turning a wheel, uh, you know, at the beginning, it's so hard to turn it. And then after a while, it just keeps going and then it builds its own mov- momentum. Leaving it at that time doesn't make any sense. Mm, I just, again,
0: find myself nodding. This- A compound factor is fascinating because a lot of people talk about compound interest in, in, in the money terms about how to get rich, you know, work on a compound interest formula. But I think the business compound formula is totally overlooked and not promoted enough. What you're talking about there, I mean, Japanese culture, they say a rolling stone never gathers moss. You know, and, and and I think you know it's basically the more you put into that business over time, uh, the more valuable it becomes. Um, and and I'm, i I just want to before I talk about um, exits and stuff like this because I think that relates to this. And a lot of people are building businesses today to sell them. Um, but I, I just wanted to step back and, and just mention you know your partner point you've m- you've made there. I also um, built my uh, last business Fluid, which I sold to PwC with my partner, and I often accidentally take credit for it all. Um, but without her, it wouldn't have worked. But that's a really interesting thing for our listeners to just for us to talk about for a second like i find that a lot of people um want to start a business um but they don't necessarily have a co-founder or they think they can do the business on their own i mean what's your view on you know starting a business i mean clearly you started your first business i fell in love with my wife too by working with her i think you really learn a lot about people when you work with them um but but i mean what's your view on co-founders and 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 that model today
1: so um It's a really interesting subject and many people, particularly the venture capital community, pushes really hard on people having co-founders. And I sometimes wonder uh, why they do that. They sometimes do it for very good reasons because a team brings a variety of interests together, but they also do it sometimes for the wrong reasons because they kind of want to be able not to risk their investment in a single person and they want variety. I find I had great experiences with having co-founders and dreadful experiences with having co-founders. So when I created, uh, when we created uh, Victoria and Gilan, uh, me and my uh, wife today created it together. Uh, We had a, uh, we self uh, 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 kind of uh, helped each other, motivated, uh, uh, got along, she had, She's excellent at details that I wasn't so good at. I was better at vision that she uh, found helpful. So we just uh, complemented each other. I also created other companies with others who were a disaster. I mean, um, their vision was tiny. They constantly tried to hold our organization back. They wouldn't work as much. They do one day a week. Uh, and think that they are they have an equal say, well, I had to do five days of work, six, seven days of work. So I had bad experiences and I had good experiences. Um, uh, so I think each person needs to choose this on their own, on what works for them best. There are examples of fantastic solo entrepreneurs, Richard Branson, Elon Musk. Uh, I had my best uh, 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 time when I was on my own. But there was also great examples of people who've done co-creation and they've done very well out of it.
0: A Good advice. And I think sometimes people are trying to sum it up in a simple, you know, there are investment companies like Sequoia and others that will invest based on the founder structure. Literally, it's one of their tick boxes. And I agree with you. I think it's, it's not necessarily good for the company or the founder um, to, to listen to what an investment company wants you really have to dig deep into what's right for you such good advice and I, and I wonder um, the other thing I think you know uh, sounds like to me and correct me if I'm wrong but you know you have a partner in business who you you know you fall in love you, you get married but that partner doesn't necessarily leave you even when you go start your next business I always say that the reason I've been successful after my for my other businesses even though my partner was not in those other businesses is because she helped She's still helping me. She she lets me work late, you know. She so having that partner or, or friends for that matter support you, I think, is key ingredient as well for an entrepreneur. Because if, if those people around you are making you feel guilty for working late, you haven't got a life, is what people used to say to me. I think sometimes you know that that can also pull you back, right? You're so
1: right, Simon. I I also keep nodding as you speak. Um, it is it is absolutely correct. I mean, it's interesting actually because my wife now uh, she has been helping in babylon in building babylon uh, but sometimes she had to take uh, take take a a step back and she's now in the process of doing less and i actually find she's even a bigger help when she is not in babylon Uh, i hope she forgives me for saying that not because what she does in babylon is not incredibly valuable it's hugely valuable but i find that when she finds a little bit of distance from Babylon. And then I come home and we discuss uh, my challenges. Her advice is so wise because on one hand, she knows Babylon so well. And on the other hand, she knows me so well. So she can see things I cannot see myself. So I find a five-minute conversation with her sometimes is worth more than five hours of me thinking it through myself. So they're always a support. No one ever builds anything on their own
0: again it's just it's gold I want listeners to pick up on this because you know they'll hear a success story like yours and the incredible things that you've done and and they'll think it's all inner steel and you know that's almost the image of entrepreneurship but but again I and I also agree with you the stages in life that's the other thing isn't there you know I love working with my partner but now I love her advising me on my business you know there's stages in in life and you're right objective Advice is very important. What do you think about having, like, you know, advisors and, and those sorts of, of people? Of course, wife will always be your advisor. She is for me. My wife is for me too. But but what about that kind of makeup? I mean, Steve Jobs used to always say his favorite board members were ones that never turned up. <laughs> but what do you think about that? <laughs>
1: um, I think they can come. They can come uh, uh, in different shapes and forms. Uh, I think when Steve Jobs was referring to that, was uh, often board members don't see them just themselves as uh, as people who are there to help to build an organization. They see themselves as people who are there in order to catch the executive or monitor them or uh, this and that. I don't join any board. I'm not on any board because I just wonder what contribution can I make. Right? Uh, you and I know a human being shares 83% of its DNA with a cockroach. The difference is that 17%, right? What would I know if I show up in a company every two months and uh, just read a bunch of reports? Because it's never that easy. It's those absolute details that, that make you understand something deeply. So in that respect, I think he had a tough time with his board and therefore I can understand why he would say that. I, on the other hand, had a very uh, supportive board all the time because my board are my investors and our interests are the same. It's about making our organization work. In my previous company, Circle, when I took it public, I let a VC to go and choose a board for me. And I just interviewed the, uh, the uh, chairman of that board. Uh, and it was a disaster. It was... An ex-banker who joined a risk-taking organization with a view of never taking a risk, uh, brought in a bunch of people in his image, which I kind of uh, uh, didn't really look into because I thought it's my company, (laughs) therefore these guys are there to help me build it, just like my previous board who was my investors. And I tell you, Simon, we grew that business threefold a year, every year, until we went public and brought that board in. And we didn't grow it by a dollar <laughs> you know what i mean since they came because every decision was oh it's too risky oh don't do it oh and at the end i just got fed up so i had to leave the child that created in the hands of these people who dutifully uh, for a couple of years kind of got it to nowhere and then luckily the management team that was left there took the company private got rid of that board and it started rebuilding it again, and are doing a very good job today. Uh, and they were my colleagues of the time at uh, Circle, so I'm very proud of what they are achieving. But so, uh, but but so that's about boards, the, and and I think that uh, uh, Eric, uh, um, who was the president of uh, Google, wrote a good book on uh, called the Trillion Dollar Coach, uh, and he talks about. Uh, how the coach to Steve Jobs himself, always believed that the job of the board is to be the cheerleader for the executive, but also a sounding board. Um, And that was the role of a coaches, a mentor, people who can help you see things from a different angle. I find that in my employees, in my colleagues, I never try to make any decision on my own, but constantly question every decision. Until everybody's views are heard, and then you make a decision. And you have to, because otherwise you can't have a anarchy that nobody makes a decision. Somebody needs to make the decision. But you can only make it based on having collected the intelligence of many, because that's always more than the intelligence of a few, however intelligent those few are. Mm -hmm. But you also have to make sure that in that process, you don't bring it down to the lowest common denominator, that you uh, look for, bold ideas that are extraordinary not the average ideas that everybody
0: else will follow it's um again just so many bits and i want the audience not to miss in the um excitement of the story you know like the, i think simon sinek said it uh, you know leaders speak last you know, it's um, this, this is perception, again, and I've seen it in even business school training. It's, you know, it's about you making the decision and leading from the front. And, and yes, there's some element of that. But I think what you're talking about, the nuance of, of it, the truth is, if you've built a good team, then, you know, why don't you listen to them? You've got trust in the team. Why don't you listen? If you don't listen to them, you'll lose them anyway. You know, and so speaking last in a meeting as a leader is very powerful. You 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 hear everyone else's views. If you give your view up front, then what happens? You know, they all fall behind your view, um, scared not to. So so it's very powerful what you're saying there, and I want people to pick up on it. I also love the eighty-three percent of human DNA um, in a cockroach thing. Um, I heard the same for chimpanzees, which I think is ninety-eight percent. Um, but you know, there's a big That's difference.
1: That's correct. Chimpanzees Nine, uh, are as much as 99% uh, of DNA. So, so it's just tiny little differences that make the huge difference at the end. And uh, I just think that the most dangerous people on in the world are people who know 80% of a story and to
0: think they can make a judgment yeah, yeah. I, I still say I know 80% how to parent so you know I know it's very dangerous it's very true I'm still learning but I, I wanted to just um, first of all I wanted to say thank you um, from my from behalf of myself and the audience for, for being honest about how the process worked for you I think a lot of people who um, have these issues at boards and stuff they'd be very scared well not scared but certainly um, um, be cautious to share the truth and glamorize and gloss over it the fact that you've been honest and shared it I think it's incredibly valuable for people and I want to thank you for doing that because i know it's not always um easy to share those things so thanks i also think um just looking back again you know you started circle and how you know in 2004 when you started that business so you you quit your job i'm guessing at Goldman Sachs, and you start this business for my audience interest sake how did that happen how did you get the idea and what was the process you went through
1: so, I uh, quit my job at Goldman because my first uh, child was born and I had two weeks of paternity. And I just, it gives you a chance, it is, this new creature is in your hand and you just look at it and say, do I really want to keep doing what I do? And look, as an investment banker, you spend 18 hour days, right? And uh, you're hardly ever home. I used to do one to two nights where I was up all night from working, right? Uh, so people kind of think investment banking life is very glamorous. In reality, it's incredibly hard work, right? And that's why uh, I take my hat off to those who who stayed and are doing their work, right? Because everybody remembers the the money they make after twenty years of being there, rather than the twenty years they had to spend to get there. But um, uh, so so I left it, not because I had anything against it, but just because it wasn't for me. And I, as I said, I wanted to build things rather than build, run projects. So I, um, and and I had time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I had a bit of time. I first thought that I'm going to be a father full time uh, and, and spend all my time bringing up that child six months of gaga goo later I thought this I'm gonna go crazy I just it's just after me bringing up a child and running a home is just the hardest thing ever uh, so I wasn't good enough to do it and I uh, left to uh create my own company but meanwhile I had a series of knee surgeries I mean I built by the way another business in between uh, that I sold it, uh, it was only a six to nine months aff- affair Um uh, and I sold it uh, and and then I uh, was doing knee surgeries and I saw that the best private hospitals in London I was staying in were really not that good. And I thought, why if you could build amazing hospitals rather than these old converted houses? So I got Norman Foster, I persuaded the greatest architects we have to come and design a hospital. I pers- created some of the greatest chefs to come and cook in it, uh, great hoteliers to come and serve it uh, in it. So why should the service in a hospital be given by a nurse, for instance? Right, They have a more important job to do, right? Uh, rather than serving uh, stuff. So we created this amazing concept. And then I went and raised a lot of money for it, to build it. Uh, and then of course, uh, almost as we were ready to roll it out, and we had collected all our investment. And there's a really interesting story on this. I raised my money, $500 million, to, cha- to build a chain of hospitals from Lehman Brothers and Royal Bank of Scotland. And then 2007 and 8 crisis happened, and both Lehman Brothers and RBS went bust. And while they had done a lot of due diligence on me, I had done no due diligence on them. <laughs> so it was me who was supposed to be the, the risky partner in here and guess what melted into air uh, in no time. And that's what I always tell these big corporations that I work with. Sometimes they say, yes, but you're risky, and I said, well, frankly, you're a lot riskier than I am because you have so many shackles. The world is changing so fast. Whether you can survive the next 10 years is a lot more questionable than whether I can survive the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. And uh, how did you convince Norman Foster to get involved? What, what, what do you think? Convincing is an interesting thing for entrepreneurs. So I think it's definitely one of the traits you kind of need to learn. What was, what was your approach to convincing people like that
1: so uh his team uh which which i met at the time i i find great people are great because they have great ambitions great curiosity want to do great things and fosters and his team at the time had never built a hospital so my pitch wasn't come and work for me my pitch was let's reinvent hospitals how they should feel like, how can we build something that when people go in it, they feel they are in a five star hotel rather than the hospital. And I think great people always love a great challenge. So he took it on almost immediately. By the way, so did, uh, bless his soul, rest in peace, um, uh, Richard Rogers. uh, 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 another great architect uh, of, of 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 us. We just at the end ended up working with Fosters on our first hospital, but he also was a phenomenal man. And uh, uh, so it was never about, and that's the thing, you should always remember, nobody ever does something for you because of you. People do it for you because of the benefit it has for them. And it is really selfish of us to to go and ask somebody to do something for us just because it benefits us. My starting point always is think really hard that what is the benefit for the other side in joining you and focus on that. Out of it yourself, but you should never focus on what you get out of it.
0: Any I think in sales, again, um, for my audience listening, you know, the, the, the translation I have of what you're talking about there is the concept that people think they've got something to sell, they sell it. But what you're talking about, which is so right on, is understanding the motivations of the person you're selling to. So you can have the same goal, but you're going to have different motivations for doing that goal. So it's just gold. That's sales gold. And, and again, um, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just not talked about enough. I think sales is all about this process. Funnels is the word these days I really hate. Um, you know, it's about squeezing people into a space to force them to buy something through a trick as opposed to just, you know, listening to each other's needs and, and coming together on the same page around that need. So it's just, it's just awesome. So what did happen then? When, so Lehman's collapse, um, World Bank of Scotland survives, but, you know, what happened?
1: Well, the 500 million disappeared because even though we had raised it, it's promissory notes from these institutions, and when they disappeared, the money disappeared. Um, and you're right, Royal Bank of Scotland survived, but they negated all of their commitments, or a lot of their commitments. Uh, uh, and that is something that people don't talk about, that uh, the banks uh, really destroyed a lot of businesses to to to... to uh, survive themselves. Um, so what we did is we went and uh, beat the street to raise money to build these hospitals to keep the organization going. And at a the time that nobody could raise money, between 2008 to 2011, we raised almost $250 million in chunks of $20, $30, 50000000 million uh, at a time. And, and that was a great lesson And it's exactly the same lesson I got when I became a refugee. I was born in a middle-class family, I was doing well, and then all of a sudden Iranian revolution happens, universities get shut, I had to start from scratch and witness the kind of poverty that I hope none of your listeners ever have to witness. Uh, uh, But but what you learn is that this fear that things can go really bad and what you do, and there is nothing almost better than what I think Malcolm Gladwell calls uh, desirable difficulties, these challenges that come and hit you. And for a moment you think you're never gonna survive them and then you survive them. So when the next time a big challenge comes, you say, you know what, I survived that other thing, how bad could this be? Um, and, and I think that is really actually helpful. So uh, having survived that today Uh, I'm never fearful of can you finance a business because I think that a good business can always be financed. And when it's not being financed, it means there is something wrong with that business, which is good if you don't finance it because it allows you to move on and create something else that is a better idea and is more financeable
0: totally right so well said and so so you you went ahead the business launched and and was it you know a a raging success from day one how did it how did it all play out
1: look nothing is ever a raging success from day one it's it's a myth unless you get incredibly lucky right i mean and we see this uh, i mean um, i always remember reading the uh, biography of Beatles when i was really young and people talk about Beatles being a raging success, but they forget those years where they had to sing in clubs in in Berlin, and one of the reasons, uh, or or in London, and one of the reasons that they had such a huge repertoire of songs is because they had hours and hours to fill in just to make uh, their livelihood happen, right? So they had to just make more and more songs, right, um, on on these stages in these CD clubs. So. nothing is ever a raging success you spoke about Elon Musk I mean how long has this guy been at it until he became a a raging successful person so no it took a long time it was built it had setbacks it had uh, stuff and as I said at the end um, uh, I I left that business not because of its setbacks or challenges or board I mentioned to you about the board uh, challenge I had I left it because I just didn't believe in the problem it was solving anymore. When I first got into healthcare, I thought the problem with healthcare, it's all about hospitals. Uh, build more hospitals, build better hospitals, it'll be okay. And it's familiar to you. We hear it in our politics all the time. And the reality is yeah, it, it, an average person spends uh, visits a hospital once every 20 years in their life. And if they're unlucky, they spend a lot of time in the last two years of their life. But the vast majority of our healthcare is a lot simpler. is primary care, is ch- is diagnostics, is other things. And I told, what if you could do with that, what Google did with information? What can, if you can make it accessible, affordable, put it in the hands of every human being on Earth? What if the 50% of the world population who have no access to healthcare whatsoever, But today, through their phone, can access all the information in the world. What if they could access healthcare in the world? What can you... uh, And that's what made us... and, And like an entrepreneur, when an idea gets into your head, and you were saying that an idea is never about what you got, it's about what others need. So when you find a need that you think you can find a solution for, it's very, very hard to forget about it. So that started eating me. I tried to persuade Circle and Circle's board that I referred to to do this. And they said, oh, that's uh, 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 technology. That's all very risky. I don't want to do this. So I left and I built it on my own.
0: Again, the um, the point there, uh, desirable difficulties. I'm sure at the time you were frustrated with your board, but today grateful that, you know, you did it the way you did it.
1: Am I not grateful? Because by the time when I created Circle, I put 50% of the ownership in the hands of everybody who worked there. And the other 50% was mine. And then I, every time I raised money, I raised it against my 50% so that employees can always keep their 50%. And when these challenges happened, my ownership in Circle had reduced to very, very small amount, right? Uh, to only 2 3 4% by the end. And I could never persuade my investors to... Uh, keep me motivated by allowing me to take more for in return for my work. So every time they contributed capital, uh, they got more shares. But every time I contributed uh, work and ideas, never you get any. And it's really interesting to me because if you look at investors, they don't set up their own economics that way. Their economics is what they, you call uh, uh, 220, which means they basically take 20% of the upside that they create, right, uh, for their investors. So uh, if an investor owns a hundred million or if they invest in a hundred billion, they just take more and more of the, because they have a percentage of that thing. But when it comes to entrepreneur, we basically have changed the game on them and say, you have an ownership at the beginning and it just erodes all the time until it becomes zero. In my view, that is a really bad idea (laughs) for investors, because entrepreneurs at some say say, look, there's nothing in it left for me, so I'll go and do something else. Now I have made some money, so I do it with my own money. So, so I think it's a lose-lose, and the investors, the way they got their own compensation set up is actually a much better way, because they only make money when they make money for their investors. Uh, right, it's investor managers, we shouldn't call them investors, because often they're not investing their own money, they're just managing other people's money. And if they don't make anything, they don't do well themselves either. It's a much better alignment, and they have no disincentive from growing the pie, because by growing the pie, you also grow your own incentive. So everybody's incentives is aligned.
0: Again, I I hope the audience can grasp the insight here. And I think there's a couple of types of listeners I'm thinking of as you're talking about that. Now, a lot of people reach out to us saying they want to invest in startups. And I think what you're talking about here is a a gold piece of advice for people wanting to invest in businesses. If you go and watch programs like Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, you're going to get a misunderstanding about entrepreneurship, because what it looks like is those people are buying 50% of the company and giving you. 100,000 US or 50,000 pounds, or whatever, and they're going to take 50% of your company and then and then that's it. But that's not how it really works in entrepreneurship because what you're actually doing when you do that, if you go in and invest like the dragons on Dragons then Do, you're actually buying that company and that person is in effect working for you and as their equity drops, their incentive drops and actually we all know the founders in the company and what make these businesses work. You now, where's Yahoo today? You know, like without, without the founders of these companies at the helm, um, thing, things drop away. Steve Jobs gets pushed out. Look what happens to Apple. So we all know the founder is important. But, but I think the thing you're talking about there that's crucial is that time is undervalued, especially by investors. So the more time you put in, I think should always equal, and, and of course the success of the business because of that time should always equal more equity for the founder and, and more, more, more support for the founder. But it seems like in the in the finance world, the, the people that are doing it wrong, in my view, are not valuing time. They value their own time, but they're not valuing the time of the person they're investing in. And, and that's bizarre because the only thing money buys you is time. So when an entrepreneur isn't feeling like their time is well invested, they will stop. And then who wins? Nobody. <laughs> right? Not the investors. So it's such a key you know, experience you've got there translating that into my audience understanding when they're raising money from someone you know check what you know if they have i've just spoken to a founder recently for example who didn't have any additional equity as the business was doing well that doesn't make sense why they sell equity in their company to raise money the business does well right everyone wants you know in theory five percent of um, oh, you know, five percent of a successful company, not fifty percent of a failure, right? But but there's definitely an element there. I mean, I, I wonder how to fix it. There are some investors that do it right, but I wonder if it's more education is needed around this point you're making. Your
1: investors, I think it's more education needed. I think the entrepreneurs need to be a lot more insisting on it. I mean, um, I often had challenges with my own shareholders on trying to bring this home. Uh, I'm lucky I had some very good shareholders who understood it and followed it and I had some really bad shareholders who didn't. I have one shareholders, a bunch of, uh, um, I don't want to uh, stereotypical them, but very stereotypical uh, 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 oligarchs uh, that uh, by mistake became shareholders in uh, our business, uh, not very nice people. At all now, I find out I didn't know at the time, but they always resisted it. And I had some great people that never did, right? My institutional shareholders. You mentioned Elon Musk, uh, one of the best, uh, uh, one of the best uh, 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 entrepreneurs in the world, the richest man in the world. He, what did he just do? He just got massive more stock in Tesla because it wasn't even about his time; it was about his results. When he delivered great results. Tesla shareholders gave him a lot more shares in the company. So he actually increased his shareholding rather than reduce it. I think think we need to change that equation because to your point, uh, it's wrong, but this is changing. One of the advantages of the United States is that in the US, the best investors understood exactly what you're saying is the entrepreneurs who create value, is the investors who are backing them to create value and they need to keep incentivizing them. I mean, uh, Dragons Then don't get me started on that. It's just the worst possible show because it's all about how much can I grab from you up front? I mean, you're an entrepreneur. Would you ever sell 50% of your business to somebody for a few hundred thousand pounds uh, or just because they're a celebrity or they may show up at your business? I mean, it is it is all about... And these people, instead of coming, I, I'm yet to see an episode where somebody says, I want five... A uh, fifty thousand pounds for ten percent ownership, and they say I give you fifty thousand pounds for five percent ownership because you're brilliant and you ask for too much. I mean, whatever they say, they say okay, I give you fifty thousand, but I want twenty five percent ownership. I mean, why? I mean, it's just it's a joke that oh, sure. that show. I agree. And I T- time for a new show. Shows like that, an apprentice happens.
0: Time, time for a new show. I, I couldn't agree more. The, the, the truth and the problem is, and I think what you're talking about, the investors are getting more savvy, but there are a lot of people out there that are investors that are not savvy. So I think you know, hopefully through podcasts like today, people hearing this are starting businesses or raising money. It's important that they insist on it because it's also a good way of filtering out the shit. You know, this is a good way of getting rid of the people that are not going to support you in your vision later because that's what happens. If they're thinking about how they can hold on stuff for themselves, you know, back to what you were saying earlier in sales, that's their incentive. That's what they're about. You know, and so, so I think the entrepreneurs listening need to insist on it. And if the investors so. won't do it, then they've got the wrong investor. And as hard as it is to say no to that money, it's better than your business dying later because you've got the wrong investor.
1: Simon, if there is one single thing I ask entrepreneurs to do. There is, there is another thing, so that won't be the further one. But one, an important thing I would ask entrepreneurs is think about this. I can always, God forbid, things go wrong, divorce my wife. I can never divorce my investors. Once they're in, they're in, until the day you leave, right? And, or you buy them out, or something happens, but it's really hard. And if you ha- get the wrong investor, and in my life, in all my companies, I had amazing investors, and I also unfortunately had the wrong investors. The wrong investors are a disaster. And I actually think entrepreneurs should now start being a lot more vocal about who these wrong investors are, so that they don't get investing in other people. Because I guess, guess what they do? The same investors, the same dreadful investors I tell you about, I just referred to, Uh, my business has been, uh, according to them, one of the best performing businesses that they ever invested in (laughs) in their entire life. So guess what they're telling the next generation of entrepreneurs? That they were the investors into our business, right? And that is their selling car. I wish those entrepreneurs came to us and checked what kind of investors are there. In the same way that if you want to go raise money from a VC or something, somebody will check on you what kind of person were you, your track record is open. Um, I think that if we can save, I see more entrepreneurs falling for the guy, first guy who gave them money, and I did that, falling for the first guy that gave them money, just because you just want to bring your passion to life, you don't really care about money. And, uh, 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 and they just didn't do that and chose their investors really carefully. Mm. huge
0: huge huge good advice but it is so hard i've been there myself you know when you like you just said and it's so true i i I remember it so many times you know you have a dream you want to make it happen someone gives you the money that almost feels like belief There's someone believes in you you know and 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 you you almost like great and 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 then you don't realize though you don't realize how that could also have been back to the point though we were saying like desirable difficulties i think sometimes when something comes easy it can also be dangerous <laughs> equally right so it's, it's such a good point i think there is a market by the way i think there's a there's a startup there for someone listening i think you know, the uber system for like it's not just is the driver good but was the passenger good I think, I, think, I think there's something like that needed in the investment world, isn't it? It still feels a little bit like the dark arts out there, you know, like these people have the money and therefore, you know, you're chasing them. But actually, there is a need for a two way validation. I think there's a startup missing there. So, uh, you know, if anyone listening hasn't got an idea. There you go. Um, so you, you had this uh, a brilliant idea for Babylon. I love the vision around the, the hospital point. Um, and so you start up, and and what what happens is again, a lot of people have ideas. How do you take a big idea like that and make it happen? What's the, what's the first few steps that you take?
1: Any idea needs uh, it's an idea. It means nothing, right? The question is, can you execute it? Can you bring it to life? And to bring it to life, you need uh, people, other people that back you. Right? So you need people who join you to help build your company. Uh, I couldn't be more grateful than people who joined us day one, day two, day five. And maybe our business now outgrown some of them. And I always remind my new colleagues who joined Babylon, remember you're joining it today because it's a success and it's bigger and it's safer. But you should always be grateful to those who took a risk on us when you wouldn't have taken a risk on us, right? Uh, the same with investors, I said that uh, I had some bad investors, but I can't be more grateful to all the amazing investors I also have, which is the vast majority of my investors, uh, because they took a chance on us. They gave us the money, they supported us. And no business, no business is ever a straight line of success. During the tough time, hard times where we disagreed, they still backed the business and backed the vision. I mean, it's so important. And then it needs collaborators. It needs other companies who took a chance on you, who say, I trust you that you will deliver uh, to, to us when you have nothing, almost at the time, at the beginning. Um, I can't be more grateful to them. And uh, so it is never you, uh, or it is always about perseverance, getting up, going in, dealing with the failures, Outthinking thinking the problem, and never settling in for good enough. Never settling in for good enough. Uh, The world is full of products, services. Why should anybody want your service if your service is like everybody else's service? It's always about thinking, how can I be better? How can I win ahead of everybody? So so this idea that who is your competition? Anybody who tells you my competition is this and that and the other, it's a wrong business because they're focusing on how they're similar to everybody else. The best businesses don't have competition because they're in competition with themselves. They're trying to better what they are. They're trying to redefine an industry sector. The way they see is the right way to do it. Uh, Every other copycat is irrelevant uh, to, uh, to them. And if they are copying somebody else, then they're irrelevant in that industry. So that's why I just think that it is all about Uh, luck. And if you allow me, uh, I think that it is so important uh, to always remember your your show is called about good luck. And I think it's so important to remember luck. Um, I uh, talked about all the luck I had and things that we achieved. But I tell you, the biggest luck I had in life, the biggest luck, was I was born in a middle class family, to a father and mother who valued education and worked hard and pushed us hard, but did so in a loving environment in which gave us confidence and support. And did so at a time that we could go to a school, had all the amenities and could could really stand on our life. I think my life would have been fundamentally different if that single piece of luck was fundamentally different. It was born to a single parent uh, person in a village in one of the poorest countries in the world with no education capability, where I had to go to work from the age of six, seven, eight, like so many other youngsters go, just to be on the survival breadline like so many others are, right? Then if I sat here and told you I built a multi-billion dollar company, you would say, wow, I mean, frankly, what? Distance have I travelled? So uh, I was born lucky. So I just think, and that's the moment of birth. So I'm not a big believer in a small, in, in big breaks. I think you get a lot of big breaks and you get a lot of small uh, set, uh, big setbacks or uh, small setbacks and small uh, breaks. But I'm a huge believer in the big bang. The moment you're born, almost so much of your life is decided. At that moment and La- on, it's about you to better that and to do so much better. But there's no point in being too uh, 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 full of yourself. Uh, uh, we are all where we are because of a whole set of lives in our life that got us to where we are.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, I got shivers yeah, my hair standing up on end on my arm. Are you saying this because you know I think. People that hear success stories, um, and I know a lot of very successful entrepreneurs out there, you know, people like Gary Vee, for example, that say he had no luck, you know, it was all hard work. And they're missing something important, gratitude, ironically, which is a word he throws out a lot. But, you know, I do feel like, you know, what you're talking about there is gratitude for, for, for which you were given that was lucky. And then, of course, there is another type of luck, which is that luck you make happen. The Perseverance point you mentioned, for example. That, that is an element. If you persist over time, you'll get more lucky. If you take more risk over time, you'll get more lucky. If you know your destination over time, you'll get more lucky. But those are in, where you're born, you cannot influence. And the parents you had, you cannot influence. These are, these are things. But what I do like, I like a story I, I heard about, you know, a, a two, two boys that were born into a family where the father was a drunk. One grew up to be really successful and one grew up to be a, a drunk himself. And when he was interviewed, the drunk was asked, you know, what, what happened to you? And he said, well, I was born into a family where my father was a drunk. And, and then the successful person was asked, you know, so how did you make it? What, 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 what happened? He goes, well, I was born into a family where my father was a drunk. Exactly. Right. So you know, I I, th- I think I think the luck point is is so undervalued, and I think for a lot of people listening out there, you know, I I, I get a bit frustrated with Instagram quotes. Where it's like the harder you work, the luckier you get. It's not. It's missing nuance. You know, Same. it's not just hard work. There's plenty of people. Nurses would all be billionaires if that was true. <laughs> exactly. You right. know, so 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 and I hate these inspirational quotes that don't don't have the. And you know, I again I want to say um, again, thank you for 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 saying it. And I, I, you know, I Googled you and, and read it. The first thing that comes up about you is that your net worth's probably 450 million pounds. You've got a $2 billion plus company, it's an incredible track record. What I love about doing this podcast show is that you find out what people are really about. And it's not about that rubbish headline that you've just seen on, on, on the internet. It's this, you're so down to earth, honest and real. And I think people need to hear this story so that they can feel it's relatable because if they read your story on Google, they're gonna think that it's not reachable. But when they hear you were 16 years old, you had nothing, you came from Iran, you you, know, you built this life, you know, that that's what people need to hear. And, and I want to thank you for being so thank
1: honest. you, Simon, Simon, by the way, on this issue of network, this I honestly don't know what my network is. I never looked into it. I have no idea what it is. I couldn't care less uh, when I was a refugee young man in London. I remember me and my girlfriend at the time wife now one day looked in our pocket. We had 20 pounds and we had to make it to the end of the month, and it was the middle of the month, right, Um, and uh, it was what it was, and I can tell you in all honesty, I am not happier today than I was then, I was happy then, and I'm happy now, right, Uh, I just think that uh, what makes you happy is a sense of purpose in life, is getting up and having a destination, having something that you're excited about and you want to do, and you could be a poor, poor person but have a fantastic sense of purpose and you can be a very rich person and get up in the morning and have no other purpose but how do I, do I make myself uh, have fun today, right? Uh, and then you, you'll also usually end up being pretty miserable. So I think it's got worth. it's the wrong thing to chase uh, and success is not about how much money you have. Success is about how fulfilled you are. And if you have a brilliant job and you're working as a nurse, as a teacher, as whatever, as a, uh, as, as a uh, garbage collector, as somebody whose job it is to keep a city clean and you do the best job in that and you love that, that is a great success, right? It's not about uh, the one dimension of one measure, which is money.
0: So well said. I, and I think I, I want to push back on that culture because it's, it's getting worse. You know, everything's about, you know, about the money and, and what people have. And, and, and unfortunately, sometimes I, I do this a lot. I try to tell young people it's not about the money, but if they haven't got money, it's very hard to see that. But ironically, if you don't chase money, it comes your way. It's like the investment pitch. If you go and ask an investor for money, they'll give you advice. You go and ask the investor for advice, they'll give you money. You know, yes. it's, 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 it's definitely a dynamic that, you know, I think people that chase it, you know, that designer clothes brands were all built to make you think you've got, they don't sell clothes to rich people ironically they sell people that want to look rich they're selling the dream of rich which isn't even the real reality of rich right so it's it's that struggle that's actually the fun bit <laughs> and Absolutely so uh, right. yeah and, you, and amazing uh,
1: i i i actually i was lucky enough to be invited to the university in which i studied UCL to do the end of the year graduation speech and um, and and somebody asked me uh, so so uh, uh, and I thought that what was it that I would have wanted to hear when I was at the start of my career, when I left that university? And it's the same with young people who want to be entrepreneurs. Uh, um, and 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 to me, it's about four things, and three of them are the values of Babylon. We actually have it on our door, everybody who comes in sees it. The first is dream big. Uh, doing something amazing is about originality. It's, it takes as much work to run a small shop than a global multinational. <laughs> At the end of the day, we all have so many hours and so much intelligence, and each work is incredibly hard. So it's about this, about your dream and your ambition and how original you want to be. So success is about uh, originality rather than and about the size of your ambition. The second it was about build fast. We all think we have a lot of time we can procrastinate, we could sit, we could wait for the next day, you just don't have time. I'm in my mid 50s. Honestly, I remember when I was in my mid 20s, as if it was yesterday, time flies, right? And unless we can figure out a way to stop our biological clock, we only have a short amount of it. And it's going to go. So any day, any hour we lose, it's an hour that is gone forever. So if you're sitting there, if you're listening, you think that you're going to start something tomorrow, it started today. Do not wait. And the third is be brilliant. Far too many people think they can cut corners and nobody will figure out. You mentioned Steve Jobs, uh, 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 Simon, Steve Jobs used to say my computers are amazing if the inside of it where nobody can see it is beautifully built and designed. Um, And that's what makes the difference? Tesla is a beautifully engineered car, and that's why the guy is the richest man in the world. Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos in Amazon pays details to so the smallest requests from clients. That complete focus on brilliance is what made him the second richest man in the world, so on and so forth. So, and, and then, so dream big, build fast, and be brilliant. And the fourth thing that I ask people to do is by the time you start building your dream, you're incredibly lucky because you have the opportunity to do that. And the world is full of other people who have the same dreams but don't have the opportunity. So make it part of your dream to bring other people's dreams live. Don't wait until you succeed and you have a lot of money and then give it away because you've lost a lot of people in the period. It doesn't matter how big you are. When you ask me to do this podcast, I didn't do it because I don't have I have lots of time this that the other you wrote one line in your invitation, which was other young people would listen to you and it may. Uh, interest some other people, what is it that I was going to do with my hour that was more important if it could have an influence in a few other people's lives just think about it. what what can you do in that hour there is more important than that so dream big. Build fast, be brilliant, but make it part of your dream to help other people's dreams. And you will have the best life in the world because it's a life of excitement, passion, doing things. And by the way, don't put up with bullshit. I mean, in this conversation, as always, I try to be very straightforward. I wasn't diplomatic. When I saw shit, I called it shit. And when I see good, I call it good. Just be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else and don't worry about somebody going after you because you were who you were. People are never are going to back the image of you. People at the end of the day, either like who you are or they don't. And you don't want the people who don't like you anyways, because you're not going to change.
0: I'm sitting back listening to a great podcast right now. I, uh, I, I just love your insights, your honesty the rawness of it the journey it's um it's inspiring and i and again i want to thank you i'm, I'm going to sum up a few things <clears throat> that i've taken from the podcast and and for the audience i think um we talked about you know don't judge others this is something i think is really important we may well um, as entrepreneurs have opinions about lifestyle and we don't want to get certain jobs that doesn't mean to say those jobs aren't necessary they absolutely are to uh, i think um this uh, what Ali's talked about today you know everyone has a role in this world but I, mean, I know my audience has that feeling that um, that they're meant to be an entrepreneur or, or they've got a business and they're struggling they need some help you know I think that it's important to also accept that there are different ways to live and, and that's okay for those people but that's not for you you don't have to follow their system and I know the education system um, hasn't allowed perhaps you to see that but um, hopefully if we podcast like this you get that education by the way Ali education is something else we need to talk about um, but I think we're going to have to have you back on because I'm conscious that you've given an hour which by the way you know I know how many people you could be helping with this hour because I know the impact that your business is having. Your business helped my own wife recently get some help because she couldn't go to the hospital you know you're you're saving lives so the fact you give an hour here i hope we also sell save our economy save people's lives you know so so i hope it's just as important as to what you're doing at babylon but i do love this whole compound factor i think sometimes building a business not to sell it something else we should talk about another time Ali. but building a business you know um, that you love and building something that is a legacy is is more important than the exit And I think what, you know, what compound is what um, Ali brought up that I think signifies that the more time you put into something and and make it work, the more valuable it becomes over time and don't make short term um, uh, decisions. I think the kind of three months, three years, 30 years investment in being good at something, you know, remember the Beatles, uh, Ali talked about, you know, these guys were not overnight successes. So if you're not having overnight success, accept that you know except it's part of the process there's highs and lows but it's about staying the course persistence as as Ali said quite a few times don't forget we're 83% cockroach I would say leverage that DNA you know survival um hard moments could mean there's more food for you later you know you've got to push through the the desirable difficulties which I love I feel like that could be a really good t-shirt um, think differently kind of uh, type quote i think desirable difficulties are really important you know i lost my father when i was 15 years old very hard moment but in a way i'm happy today in part because i had that horrible experience when i was young i think it's so so true i think you can get norman foster to uh, and people like him to help you you just need to understand what their motivations are they will help you i um, reached out to ali he's a very busy person he's here today helping you guys, because I asked him, you know, that, that is the first step, ask. But do remember what Ali said about, you know, understanding the person you're talking to and what their motivations are. And there's nothing wrong with with making that motivation. If it's the Guardian or it's Norman Foster, understand the motivation, then they will support you in your goal. Don't be selfish. And I think... Um, The whole uh, raise money cycle, you have to go back and listen to that. But I think that's that's so key. And when you're raising money, understand your investors. You will not regret saying no to some people. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the end part of what Ali was saying, I'm going to go play it back later myself and listen to it. You should too. Be yourself. Please be yourself. It's such good advice. You've got to always be you. Everyone else is taken, I think, as the quote goes. But, you know, it's absolutely so crucial. Don't be something for someone else, um, even an investor. Um, do something big um, is definitely um, about being original, I think. And I know there is this whole thing about copying, and I think there's something interesting in copying. You know, Facebook's a copy of MySpace, MySpace is a copy of Friendster. But I think doing it in your own original way is the key your own original execution so I know so many people and I'm sure when Ali started Babylon a lot of people told him there's already something like that around this blah 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 it doesn't matter it's about your execution you can do something someone else is already doing but it's you your personality if it's original and you execute it well you, you will win And uh, so do something big but I think you know, definitely keeping it original is key finally be brilliant today start today be brilliant today Ali thank you so much thank you for having me Simon it's been a pleasure thank you for listening to the purposeful project podcast today if you got any value from this podcast then do feel free to give us a review and give us your feedback and if you think anybody out there might enjoy this story of this real life successful entrepreneur then feel free to share and of course go and visit purposefulproject.com and join our main list at any point thanks again for listening